0: I promise you, I won't keep you long, and I I just feel uh, a word of encouragement tonight. And uh, if you have your Bibles, would you please go to Acts chapter 14, starting with verse 8, 8 through 20, and then we're going to go to a very popular scripture, Micah 7 and 8. Most could quote that verbatim, but I want to go to Acts 14, 8 through 20. I got new glasses here, something about a certain age where you have to get bifocals. And, uh, there's nothing wrong with it until you try to step out of your truck and you, you misgauge how long, how far down your, the, the concrete is. But the Snow, I will not tell you. I wish there were, I'm glad there's cameras anywhere to, to find out that Adam Hill's bald head bounced off the concrete when I first got my glasses. So I'm trying to get used to them. And if you see me struggling, it's not because I'm dumb, it's because I'm blind. So. Alright, Acts 14, 8-20, and there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being crippled from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and he walked. I wish miracles in our church was that simple. He didn't have to preach anything. He just told him to stand up. Get up. Bible doesn't say it, but I'm assuming, and I'm very, I I, I believe 100% that he used the name of Jesus. He didn't just command him, but he used the name of Jesus. Verse 11, and when the people saw that Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in the speech, how do you pronounce that word? Somebody help me. Lyconia. I've never said that word right in my life. He said the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. Now I want you to pay close attention. Paul and Barnabas just healed a man that had been lame from his mother's womb. The men that watched it happen, they were so impressed. They didn't put two and two together and think about the fact that Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. They began to look at these men and say, these men are gods. They were, impressed, we're impressed by them. When the people saw that Paul had done, they lifted their voices. I already read that. And they called Barnabas, Jupiter, and Paul. Curious. that was another one that I never said right in my life. Because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Jupiter, which was before their city brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people crying out and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you. We're no different than you. We're not gods. And we here to preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all the things therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness. In that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons. Filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrain pe- pe- the people. And they had not sacrificed unto them. And there came thither a certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium. And persuaded the people and have stoned Paul. Say they stoned Paul. They drew him out of the city supposing he had been dead. Verse 20, Howbeit as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came unto the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas and Derbe. I want to draw your attention really quick to verse 9, after they had just stoned Paul. And it says it like this, they drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. I want to preach to you just for a while tonight on hell's greatest mistake. Hell's greatest mistake. Because Micah 7 and 8 says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Micah didn't say there's a possibility that I would fall. He said, when I do fall. Now that is not a lack of faith. He just understands the human frailty and the weakness of men. He had understood he had shortcomings in his life. So he realized that the possibilities of him falling was 100%. But he said, when I do, I shall arise. There's another There's another uh, interpretation uh, that when I fall, the the words when I fall can mean to sin or to death. In other words, don't rejoice too much, Satan. When I'm dead, because when I fall, there's going to be a resurrection. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Let's clap our hands in the Lord. Give him a little bit of praise before we see seated. I'm going to state some facts, and these are not revelations. I wish I was here tonight to give you something that you've never heard before to open your eyes. we got a lot of amazing uh, minds here tonight, and I am a little nervous, but that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'll get to it. And I'm going to state th- some facts that we all know. If you've been in church... Long period of time, you'll find that successful ministry always, not sometimes, but always creates opposition. Satan will not fight those who fight back. Uh Satan will not waste his time nor he will waste his energy on a church that does not pose a threat to his kingdom. Uh Satan will not rise up against a church that preaches false doctrine. The prince of darkness does not fear a church that does not live holy. He is not threatened by a church that will not worship God in spirit and truth. He does not fear a church that does not win souls. He does not fear a church that is up one time and down the next. He doesn't fear a church like that. But on the contrary, you can guarantee that the devil and all of hell will do everything in his power to attempt to stop a church that has separated himself from the world. Fact number one. If you worship God, he's going to come after you. If you have a prayer life, he will seek you out. If you stand for the name of Jesus, it's inevitable that he will wage war against you. If you've ever been attacked by Satan. Hands up. If you've ever been attacked by Satan. Don't get down in the dumps. I'm getting ready to encourage you this. Take it as a compliment. Because hell only fights what's a threat to his kingdom. If you're going through hell right now. Just take it as a compliment. That Jesus is in your corner. And you're doing something right. He only fights what becomes a threat to his kingdom. It sounds absurd, but I'm going to say it. But I'm thankful for every single battle that I've ever had to fight. I'm thankful every time that hell knew who I was. Take it as a compliment. Job was not attacked because he was depressed. He wasn't attacked because he was a uh, so-called Christian. He wasn't up one day and down the next. Matter of fact satan came to god because job had things together and it was because job was a righteous man that's why hell had to tattle on him i wish to god i don't i don't want his problems i don't want his pain but i wish to god that i scared the death out of hell to the point where the devil goes to jesus and says what about adam hill What I'm trying to tell you this night is this that many times because we go through hell we think something's wrong with us or we think something's wrong with matter of fact Job speaking of Job Job went through all he went through and his friends stood back and said what'd you do wrong why are you going through these things they've got got it uh, uh, they've got it wrong this is what happened he was so righteous that hell said I'm going to try him and see how tough he really is so I'm telling somebody tonight that if you're waiting through hell it ought to be enough to make you get up and dance because everything I just told you is a fact that the devil so scared to death of you he is going to do everything in his power to try to manipulate your life and try to steal from you I'll just say it one more time. If you're going through hell, what you need to do is stand up to your feet and start worshiping God. And saying, hell, thanks enough for noticing me. Thanks for noticing me. Satan wants the exact same thing that God wants. Just as God is coming back after a church without spot or wrinkle. Satan is coming back after a church without spot or wrinkle. He doesn't care about the churches outside of truth. He has not, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm not going to mention any names. I'm, not, I'm just going to tell you that the devil doesn't care if we preach false doctrine. He's after the churches that preach truth. The devil has in the past and he will continue to do so in the future. And he is going to try to do everything he can to tear down the church. He will distort truth he will lie, he will laugh and taunt and mock, infiltrate, scheme against, belittle, and destroy. But I come to tell the devil tonight, I come to give him a strong declaration that he might as well save his breath, his time, and his energy. Because Jesus already wrote it in his scripture, and a minute is it. still for today when he said, Upon this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not. Shall not. Hey, you know what? Let me take a pause there. I didn't have this in my notes. I'm just going to tell you. Many times we read that scripture. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hell is not an offensive weapon. It's stationary. Matter of fact, gates were designed to keep something out. Right? Brother Snow, am I right? It doesn't take a lot of common sense for, to understand that. And know that. I, I, that's no slam to you, Elder. I'm just a, uh, 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 Gates were meant to keep something out. Many times when we read that scripture, heard, heard it preach, we think, "Well, hell, uh, hell's coming after the church, and somehow the church is on the run, and we're scared no. that hell's coming after us." What this scripture is really saying was that rock, uh, the church was built on the rock, and the gates of hell won't keep the church out. It's not that the church is on the run and hell's after us. It's that we are getting ready to burn the gates of hell down. They can't keep us out. They can't control us just like right now the government they' they're, 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 they're mistaken if they think that they're going to shut the voices of the church down in this last day if they think for one moment they're going to let COVID shut our doors for good they, they've missed it all together because the church in its in, in its uh, adulthood is going to be stronger than it's ever been and I believe in this last day that God's raising up an apostolic church that's going to be greater than anything that we've ever seen before I believe with all my heart that the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain and God didn't design this church to be weaker in the last days than it was prior the book of Acts chapter 14 the church in its infancy Paul and Barnabas were right smack dab in the middle of a brutal intense persecution the church had never seen this kind of persecution before The death of Jesus was still fresh in the hearts and the minds of the living They were bloodthirsty They had already killed the king of kings And so they were after his cohorts if you will Paul and Barnabas had just left the city of Iconium They left abruptly because the Jews and Gentiles had sought to stone them to death They didn't leave because they were scared They leave, They left because their time wasn't done yet Their ministry wasn't done yet I always wondered, why in the world did Paul run? But he ran to the chopping block. But Paul had an understanding that he thought, when my time comes, I'll go die. But right now, i got things to do. Yeah. Sure. He wasn't running from the devil. He wasn't run from the enemy. But everywhere they seemed to go, men would plot to destroy the work of God. Everywhere Paul went, his life was threatened in one way or the other. So they leave Iconium and they traveled 20 miles to Lystra. And they were preaching the gospel there in Lystra. A certain man with without strength in his feet was sitting there crippled from his mother's womb who had never walked before in his life. This man, he heard Paul speak and Paul observed him intently and saw that he had the faith to be healed, Paul taken advantage of this man's faith. He just looked at him and he said, stand up to your feet. And the Bible says he began to leap and walk. Now listen to me. The key here, as what they were doing. They weren't chasing miracles, signs and wonders. But Paul and Silas were in the middle of preaching the gospel. Hear me, they were preaching the gospel. It's a very simple message, death, burial, mesur- uh, resurrection. Which, what happens after the gospels preached was miracles, signs, and wonders took place. In this last day, there are people that all they care about is chasing miracles, signs, and wonders. Whatever happened to apostolic churches that preached the simplistic message of the gospel? Whatever happened? Hear me, it's the simplistic message of the gospel that gives us power to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If we ever graduate, if we ever get sick and tired of hearing your pastor preach on the death, prayer, and resurrection, you need to repent. I I, want to make friends and and I want to be real nice and I want to come back sometime because I like you, I love you. Uh, me and you look how dressed we look like. We're really look. He called me before service and said, What are you wearing? And I said, A gray plaid suit. And I showed up, and there he is. I want to come back, but I'm, I'm going to be real nice. I, I've been—you ta- know how many times I've been drugged in the office in six years when I pastored because I preached death, burial, and resurrection, and repentance and filling with the Holy Ghost and baptism in Jesus' name. Why I do it? Because there was new people that come in the back. The rest of the church had heard the message, and you could—you uh, could see people's eyes rolling. Are you kidding me? He's going to preach the gospel again? He's going to preach about the death, burial, and resurrection again? What about the sinner that's on meth that comes in this place that's never heard? Let me, I'm getting excited because you're getting excited. But I keep getting excited. It's all right. But this is what I want to say. I've often thought, why aren't we seeing miracle signs and wonders like we used to? When I was 20, 20, 30 years ago, my goodness, there was somebody getting healed. Somebody was getting out of a wheelchair. Devils were being cast out. What's the difference? God hasn't changed. I don't believe men have really changed. But I do believe that one of the keys to receiving those kind of miracle signs and wonders is we we think we've graduated from preaching that. Let's go find a nifty message in, uh, in uh, Old Testament. Let's preach a type and shadow that nobody's ever heard before. Let me tell you, you're not going to see miracle signs and wonders preaching any other thing than what Paul and the apostles preach according to Galatians 1 and 8. I'm not going to stop preaching it. Don't ever get tired of hearing pastor preach on it. Don't ever get tired of hearing bishop preach on it. Because he knows that's what makes miracles, signs, and wonders possible. And that's what Paul and we're doing we're preaching the gospel and my goodness things begin to happen and, and, and that's what I want to see in, in, in my lifetime I, I believe in the gospel I believe it's the only way and I think that it should be preached I think our children should know every scripture verse on one God apostolic every message about apostolic and oneness we should know it Who's brother Cisco Jason let me just Take a breath right here. Jason Sisko asked, he said at one time, I was talking to him. He said, My the the pastor he he took the church for from in Texas. Uh he uh that is prominent church, his pa, the pastor that he was taking the church from, the pastor said, Brother Sisko, he said, uh, I preach about the same message every week. He said, Our people love it. Brother Sisko said, Well, don't they get tired of it? Our, they get weary he said oh yeah we've had people get tired of me he said but they left he said but i've taught our people to gain their strength from watching others receive revelation new life come in the church and they get excited seeing new people getting excited see we get excited over the silliest things We get excited seeing somebody run the aisles. And I'm glad. I want want that to happen. But I I think true excitement should come when when people come in and receive revelation and understanding of Jesus' name baptism. That's where we should get our strength. We should never get tired of it. But that's what exactly was going on. They was preaching the gospel. And uh, this man had been crippled since his birth receiving his healing. And after he heard the gospel through the healing of this crippled man, the people were amazed at their power and, and seeing this miracle and began to accuse them of having some kind of special power. Now I want to pause right there to tell you this. It would have been a good time for Paul and Barnabas to keep their mouth shut. Now I'm not saying they had to lie. Right. I, I'm not saying that they had to to uh, to say, yeah, you're you're right, we are gods. But they just believed it, and they could have just shut up and just let them believe that they were gods, and they would have walked out. They would have they would have had a they went down and got them a hamburger. They would have went down and just and had a wonderful day uh, uh, shopping around town, and they probably would have had gotten anything they wanted to have. But they they paused and they said, look. I didn't raise this man from from being lame on my own power. But I raised him up through the power of the name of Jesus. And they began to be convicted in their heart. And they began to lash out on them and threaten to kill them. I've often wondered, Paul, why didn't you just keep your mouth shut? And it hit me one day. Paul had an understanding that this thing was not and has never been about him. Come on, No, I'm not at home today, and I'm not trying to pastor anybody. But let me pause to tell you this. Church services, they're not about you. This church is not about you. It's never been about you. It's never been about me. So if I start taking credit, everything around me is going to crumble. But when I come into the presence of God, I'm going to give Him accolades and point back to Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It's always, say hey, it's about, Jesus. about Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah! And so they chased him off and Paul and Barnabas ran out of the city. Not scared, I'm sure. It's a little bit scared, but that's not why they left. They just knew they weren't done. So they go down uh, 20 miles down the road and those men showed up. And they thought, man, let's just, let's just teach Paul a lesson. I started reading some historical books events and historians they talked about Paul they said some of the people that loved Paul and some of them hated him mixed feelings and that's why they drug him out of Lystra and then stoned him they said if they would have done it in the city they would have caused a big riot and there would have been a lot of a lot more people dead so they drug Paul outside the city and I love, the, in the scripture where it said, and when they stoned. Now, I don't know, I've never been around anybody that's been stoned. I've seen a few videos where it just turned my stomach. But the fact is, when people are stoned, I'm going to be very kind. I know your children are here. But the, the, the process of stoning somebody, I asked our churches, anybody know anything about being stoned? A couple of our drug addicts stood up and said, I do. I said, No, I'm not talking about that kind of stone, but I'm, I'm just, I'm, it's a different kind of being stoned. And I'd rather not have anything to do with either. But the process of being stoned, and I'm not so sure it happened there, but a lot of times they, outside the city, they would sink two poles in the ground. And that they would tie their arms to the poles. And the people that participated in the stoning. They would come and they would straddle over the person. So they looked them in the face. So they could see their hurt and their pain. They took joy in stoning somebody and when they would, they would have the stones I'm not talking about little pebbles I'm not talking about five smooth stones that David threw out of a, a sling I'm talking about big old rocks big old stones that would mash somebody's head in and that's what they did they stood over and they, they, they threw those stones at him now the Bible's unclear the Bible didn't say that he was dead but I can use my common sense and realize that Paul was dead he was dead And by the grace of Jesus Christ, his life went back in his body. But I like what the scripture says when they stoned him and drug him out the city. And then it said, supposing him to be dead. The enemy doesn't know a whole lot about the church if he would really begin to understand it, he would realize that he tried that with Jesus. And he knocked him down. And he put him in a tomb. And for three days he only stayed. But Jesus had made the declaration before he was killed. He said, you know what? When you knock me down, just know this. That in three days, this temple's getting back up. And I tell you tonight that Jesus didn't stay down. Jesus didn't stay down, and when His church hits their knees and gets knocked down, He didn't expect us to stay down either. I come to tell somebody tonight that hell's greatest mistake is this, that when He knocks us down, that we're going to stay down, because we're going to get back up. I believe that in this last hour, that the devil thinks, he thinks that the church is in, I've heard it a million times, I've seen articles that say the church has seen better days. Our our seats are empty and uh, our Sunday school classes have less kids in them and COVID even made that worse in some places. It's just a sad thing. Uh, But I don't see it here. Matter of fact, I think COVID made your church better. You know why it's better? Because I believe there's an apostolic church in Anderson, Indiana. That's although they have been knocked down and beat around and robbed from and stolen from. Some of you coming here worrying about your grandchildren backslidden, your children are on drugs, and you're wondering what in the world's gonna happen tomorrow. But I'm gonna tell you what's happening. Because you're here, because your worship is intense, God is getting ready to have a revival in your life like you've never seen it before. Come on, the greatest mistake the enemy can make is to think that the church is going to stay down when it gets knocked down. I don't know if I've ever told this before when I'm here. But I'll tell it. If, if, you, if I did, please forgive me. Some of y'all haven't maybe heard. I was preaching at home church one Sunday morning. It was winter time. I think it was in March sometime. It was when you get those big old wet snows. In Indiana, we here. And it wouldn't stay on much. One Sunday morning, we had service. But in between service, I think we even had to leave early. Because... Of, of, the, of the storm that came in. And I went home. And uh, I had preached. I preached really hard. And I was tired. I had something to preach, to preach Sunday night. For the service. And went home. After service was canceled. And I thought. I'm going to sit down in my chair. I put a Dutch apple pie in the oven. Praise God. With vanilla bean ice cream. And I think I even had caramels and stuff like that, which is all irrelevant to you. Half the church is leaving because they're hungry. <laughs> I'm sitting in my chair and I got a call. And the pastor called me. He said, Hey, he said, God spoke to me this morning. Said that Pastor Hill was supposed to come here and preach at my church, our church. And I'm going to be honest with you, Brother Jeremy. I thought. God didn't tell me that. Because if he had him, I wouldn't have put a uh, uh, pie in the oven. That'd be me teasing me, myself. I thought, my goodness, really? God spoke to you and told you that. I'm not, I was so carnal. I thought, man, who's going to eat my pie? I have three boys, they to eat my pie. And I wouldn't have got any. And I said, oh, really? The Lord, the Lord told you? He said, yeah. I said, well, I don't want to hurt your faith. So got a shirt iron and got my tablet. I'm looking, what am I going to preach? And drove down about two and a half hours down to where I was going. And uh, matter of fact, I was trying to get out of it. I said, man, we got snow here. And he said, look. He said, I've already looked at the radar. He said, south of Bloomington, there's no snow. So you got to come up. And you got to come down to preach. I was like, so I drove down, and I'm going to be honest with you, I was, I was ticked. And the whole time I was there, I was thinking about my sermon, and I was thinking about the pie. I got there and greeted everybody, and we had song service. And unlike this service, we had a, you had an express worship service tonight. I mean, you got with it. That was the fastest. I thought I had about 20 more minutes to get my bearings together. I thought, I said one, to one of the young ladies, I said, you already done? It was quite different at this church. It was, a, it was a marathon of songs. And Brother Snow, there was nothing happening. Now I could see, I could see if there was a miracle signs and wonders happening. We just kept singing. You've seen, been in services like that where it's amazing just people keep singing. That's a reason to sing. But when it's cold and dead, stop singing. And 35 songs into the service, you're finally like, good Lord, is this the same? I hope nobody from that church down there is watching this right now. I think
1: I preached at that church. I really did forget
0: that you really all do blast out over. I'm going to get in trouble, man. It didn't matter. I'm not going back there anyway, so. I may not get to come back here, but. So, last song, Bishop, we sang, and they sang it over and over and oh, yeah. over until Jesus comes. We'll sing until Jesus comes. And I'm like up there, and I thought, and I look over. and I, I'm a musician, so I look over, and I'm watching the musicians. She says, let's sing it one more time. I was like, no, why are you serious? Come on. And I'd lost my, I'd lost my anointing. I said I left there for a, for a pie and all that stuff. And I'm up there. And the last surf, the last chorus of the song, I watch an old, an elderly gentleman. Probably when I say elderly. Don't be offended when I say when I elders. He's sixty years old probably. That's not old. And he stands up to lift his hands. What he did, he dropped his hands, and he hit the pew, and he died. and i'm i'm here i'm watching the guy he he just died and the pastor's wife i saw her run over to console his wife and they had to hold her down cuz she was going absolutely crazy her husband just died there was this nurse practitioner in that church and there was two er nurses they came over there they know a lot more about it, what i what i know and they walked over i'll never forget it when i was walking off the platform I certainly wasn't going i was staying away from there because i'm i i'm scared to death of those things i just don't like it and i walked off and i i saw the er nurse look at one of the others she went And it was silent here, except for the mama crying over her husband. I walked over and I walked, I, I'm, if, I'm lying, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I walked over to the, to the wall, put my nose to the wall. I said, God, are you kidding me? You brought me down here to preach. How am I supposed to preach after a man just died? Police were on their way. Coroner was on their way. Paramedics." coming they were going to pronounce him dead officially take him out have his funeral I've never seen something like that so it was so, so tragic and I walked over and God spoke to me if I've ever had heard God speak to me it was right now he said Adam I didn't need you for here he said I didn't need you tonight for what I'm getting ready to do he said but I wanted you to see what I'm getting ready to do so you can tell people that I am the resurrection and the power now, telling you, that, now it's easy to testify about it after the fact, after what I'm getting ready to tell you, because you assume that he got up. I don't know. I haven't told it all yet. You don't know. But I said, God, I don't know what to do. He said, I'm telling you to go over there and lay hands on him and command death to leave and rebuke the spirit of hell and resurrecting. Simple, right? It was a long walk. I walked over there, and there was bunches of people around him. The white, the mama was still there, and she was kicking the back of the pew. And she was weeping and crying and screaming out, Why God? I didn't, I didn't know what else. To, I didn't want to overstep the pastor. I didn't I didn't. Want, I was just a visitor. So I walked over there and I was just to obey God. I laid hands on that man's cold, dead body on his head. And I said, Jesus, you're the resurrection and power. You put life in this body, and I'm asking you right now to resurrect him, right now, in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, he got up, he started shaking, and he began to dance all over that place. Let me tell you something. There's not anything that's too dead that God cannot resurrect. There's not a drug addict that God can't deliver. There's not an alcoholic that God can't deliver. There's not any death that God cannot resurrect. There's not a wall that God cannot crumble. There's not a sinner that God cannot be saved. There is nothing that God cannot I'm coming too close. Ezekiel standing. Ezekiel standing out in that valley. Now, something that I understand that I've read in history, I'm not saying the historians are all right, but this is what I do know about that time of why that valley of dry bones was in that valley. History said that valley of dry bones was there because the king made a decree that nobody could be buried. The reason that nobody was to be buried, any if you died if an infant died they threw it on top of the ground. If an elderly uh, man or woman died, they threw it on top of the ground, and it was because that the king wanted to dishearten the people of that time. He's trying to rip their faith down. Every time they woke their head up off the pillow, pick their head up off the pillow, they smelt the stench of death blowing through their windows. Every time they laid their head on their pillow on, in the evening time, they was reminded of the of death, and there was it was their place. There could they couldn't. they they, they weren't going to go any further he had mentally bogged them down and robbed them of their faith matter of fact from what i understand and you can correct me after sir i'm telling you you probably know about more than me but from what i understand according to the historians it was shadrach meshach and abednego was there at that period and daniel was there in that period and shadrach or and ezekiel was there and by the time that god asked the man of god the one that had the answer the one that was supposed to be anointed the one that had that was supposed to speak faith when god said can these bones live the man of god he didn't even have enough faith to answer it I wish I could be saying that I would be the one to say, "Yeah, I've seen it before. I know you can." Especially when after I prayed for my mama and she didn't make it. And so, uh, when you see when you see that kind of mess, it robs you of your faith. And so, it was no wonder when God asked Ezekiel, "Can these bones live?" He said, "I don't know." You know. Removing myself from it. I, I don't want to be part of the problem. I don't want to be dead. But I, I just know that it's a bad thing. And God spoke to him and he said, You know what? I'm going to show you a resurrection. I want you to speak to two aspects of, the, of this situation I want you to speak to the bones and I want you to speak to the wind. Now, I, I, I've just—I got a pretty good imagination. I don't watch many movies, but I got a pretty good imagination. I'm wondering why they never made a movie about this. Could you imagine a dry—a valley of dry bones, of thousands of people that are dead, uh, skulls over here and uh, tarsals over here and femurs over there, and bones scattered all across that place. My goodness, uh, I mean that—that that place was full of dead people. There was so much stench, and it just blows my mind how God works. And when he raised that valley of dry bones. I like to believe that he did that to tell people. Look it doesn't matter how long you've been down. And it doesn't matter how long you've been dead. I'm still the resurrection and the power. He's God. He's God alone. He's in control of the situation. Even though everything around you's dead. He can still resurrect it. He can still resurrect it. There is a spirit that is creeping in our churches across our movement. That spirit says that the times of revival is over. And that the churches, as we know it, have seen better days. That people don't look at the church like they used to. And they don't have the reverence for ministry anymore. And they don't reverence pastors anymore, and they don't they don't care about uh, ministry anymore. And you can see it: people mocking and Facebook and social media wrecking the church and trying to discredit the church. And certain parties and affiliations are trying to shut the doors of churches and and, and all that business. But I I, I don't understand I, I I don't understand Satan because he's really he really uh, is is faithful to what he's trying to do is shut the mouths of churches and shut the mouths of preachers. But it's, it's funny to me that he thinks he's going to keep us down. He thinks he's going to keep us down, and I like to remind him about the day that he killed Jesus. Well, I I I do. I, I remind him all the time, Satan. You remember when you put a lamb in a tomb? I say it a lot to him. Brother Snow, I, this it's what I do. I tell him, you remember when you put a lamb in a tomb? You remember when you put those crown of thorns on his head? You remember when you put those nails and holes in his feet? You remember when you beat him beyond all recognition where his mama couldn't recognize him? You remember when you put that, 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 that spear in his side and blood and water ran? You remember... It Well, when Joseph had to go to, G, uh, the, to, the, to the king or the, uh, the powers that be and beg the body of Jesus when he was no good to anybody else and, and Joseph wanted him uh, for his own and uh, you remember that but do you remember that three days later? Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. No, Satan was confused because he thought he put a lamb in a tomb. But he was surprised because three days later he walked out of a tomb a lion. And I want to tell him, listen, Jesus didn't stay down and he doesn't expect his church to stay down. The devil, you're limited in power, you're a pawn, you can only do what God allows you to do. Musicians come. So I, 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 I to, I'm preaching to our church all the time. We are living in the greatest time yes, that the are. church has ever seen. That's right. I said we are living in the greatest time that the church has ever seen. Amen. We, we, we're, we're focusing on the problems and issues and all the needs. But you know what we should be focusing on? This is opportunity for Jesus to show miracle signs and wonders. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. That tells me that Jesus is always one step in front of the enemy. And every time we fall, He's there to pick us up. And if you're down tonight... And you can't find the strength to get back up. I would recommend you even if you can't stand. I want you to begin to call on the name of Jesus. Lord have mercy on me. Just like the woman with the issue of blood. She was down on the floor trying to find her miracle. And she touched the hem of his garment. That happened on the ground. She couldn't get any lower. That happened on the ground. She was distraught 12 years trying to find the answer. Spent everything she had. The Bible says she only grew worse. And she found out that Jesus was coming to town. I often wondered why she didn't seek him out before. It hit me. She didn't ever hear about him. Because she was... Treated like the plague She was pushed so far out of society That nobody wanted anything to do with her So why in the, how in the world did she ever hear about Jesus? So she was so far gone That she was pushed aside Everybody had forgotten about her She And, and so she spent everything she had She had just given up hope And finally she hears about Jesus And she said, made up her mind If I can just get down on the ground I don't have to have the strength to get up All I have to do is touch the hem of his garment and I know everything is going to be alright I don't even have to touch him just touch the hem of his garment so tonight there are people here you're so weak that you've been down for a real long time and you don't even have the strength to get up God sent me here to I don't know I don't know exactly all the reasons why I come here but I'm, I'm telling you this in the Holy Ghost God spoke to me right just just two seconds ago and said I'm here tonight I came here to bring you a message I, he could have preached it he could have he could have preached it but you wouldn't have listened to him because you're always hearing his voice and what happens a lot of times you say, well pastor wants what' best for me he's going to speak faith in my life i 'm here tonight he did, i didn 't know what I was even going to say when I got here tonight, but I come here to tell somebody here tonight that you 're going to get up out of the junk and the miry clay and the garbage that you 're in you feel so far down you don 't know how in the world you 're going to get back up but God spoke to me a couple seconds ago and said, there is going to be a resurrection tonight in our spirit." but it's not going to happen if you sit back it's not going to happen if you keep quiet you've got you've to get like blind Bartimaeus when he's sitting by the road when he began to cry out he couldn't see Jesus and said Look, Jesus have mercy on me and everybody tried to push him out and shut him up and he kept crying out that's when he got his miracle so to, tonight if you want up if you want the strength to get up you just begin to cry out to Jesus come on let's do that just for a moment Come on, can you find the strength to to cry out to Him? Can you conjure the strength to mention His name? Come on, say it right now. Jesus. Jesus, have mercy. Come on, let's begin to sing and worship the Lord. This altar is open. Come on, there is going to be.